Welcome back to Hell, where we talk about terrible people and terrible situations. Both worthy of going to hell. I'm your host, Jordan. And I'm your host, Lainey. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Hellbound History. Um, Hang on. When I said, <laughs> um, when I said hello just now, I realized that there's a patient that I have uh, that when I walk into a room, I always try to be very bubbly because this population, like, it's like the mentality is, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Is a little um they're like at like a kindergartner like level you know what i mean so i try to be very like bubbly and like oh, hey guys adorable and, and there's multiple times where i'm like hey and this patient is like well, i don't know why you're talking to me <laughs> like that your voice is just so high bitch <laughs> i'm like i'm so sorry <laughs> I think I startle her every time I walk into the room. She probably she like leaves my group. She's like, I don't want to deal with this. And she just like fucking leaves. Oh man. Oh my god. She's so funny though. That's... She is so hilarious. I have a funny story about her. Oh, she please tell me. Um she uh, so we're going around the room and I was like, okay, like, what superhero um, name would you have? And she said something along the lines of, like, uh, Princess Lady. And I was like, oh, Princess (laughs) Mm -hmm. Lady, that's a cool superhero name. And she goes, I never said Princess Lady. That's a stupid name. I can't (laughs) believe you. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, okay, I'm so sorry. You're right. You're right. You know? But, oh, my gosh, I love walking into the room and I see that she's there because I just know that she's just going to because she's just so funny. Yeah, she she just cuts right through it. She goes from being like so like mad to being so happy. And it's just I don't know. I love her. She's Mm -hmm. so funny. And then the times when she's like super happy, it's just like so sweet. She's like waving at me. I'm like, hey. Uh, but anyway, welcome to my soapbox tangent. No, on- oh my gosh, this is adorable. <laughs> I am so curious about you in the workspace too. So I'm just like, I, I don't know. I really enjoy that. She's so funny. She's so cute. Yeah. And so I don't know. I always tell, I mean, I don't tell people, but my work persona is so different than my real life persona. <laughs> You've told me that before. I remember you telling me that before. Yeah. But I'm trying to integrate the two personalities into one just like superhero therapist. It's going to be there one day. You're going to talk to me like it is like a little kid with super high energy. No, no, Uh no. I'm trying to incorporate. I'm trying to incorporate all the positivity that I have at work into my normal everyday life and not to Mm -hmm. shy away from being optimistic and positive because Life's too short to be a grumpy goose all the time, and that's how I feel sometimes is I'm a little, a little bit of a grumpy goose. But You're an anyway. adorable grumpy goose. Thank you. You're Thank adorable. you. I appreciate it. Yes. But I don't think people are here to listen to me talk about me being the most adorable grumpy goose. I think they're here to hear a pretty messed up story. What do you think? I am prepared. I have brought my notebook not my notebook. Oh, she did. She did bring a notebook. I see it. Yeah, I, I brought a it. notepad. I it's a, a notepad. Can I geek out, ladies and gentlemen? She just lied to you just now. She said notebook. It's actually a notepad. Oh, shun the me. non-believer. Sue me right now. Let's go. Wait, no, no. <laughs> okay, <laughs> actually, okay. So I'm gonna geek out. It's Cornell note style. Oh God. What? What? No, not Cornell note style. Oh my gosh. I that's, no, it's so easy. No. Cornell <laughs> notes. I literally have not done Cornell notes since like high school. Is that when it's like? Yeah, it's got the little column. I hated Cornell notes. It was so. No offense. No offense. If you it's like okay. Cornell, it's okay. I'm sorry, or listeners. If the if the daughter or son of Cornell notes. Is listening to this podcast? Right? I like wait, it. Is Cor- wait, 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 wait. 
Cornell notes. Is this like Cornell University? Did they come up with this type of note? I have no taking? idea. Is there a correlation there? I have no idea. Anyway, I hate Cornell notes. I have PTSD <laughs> from high school. But hey, if it works for you, whatever floats your boat. I like doing my notes my own way. And I think that's all that matters. As long as the notes get taken. I know. Preach. Tell me a horrible story. Oh, I will tell you a horrible story. Okay. So our story. First, are you familiar with the song, We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel? I freaking love that song. We didn't start the fire. Uh, yes, but some yes, people yes. did it, and I don't know who did it. These aren't the lyrics, though. No more. <laughs> no more. Okay. So this song was released as a single on September 27th, 1989. What? And basically, it is very fast-paced lyrics. If you're familiar with the song, it hits basically brief references to 118 significant political, cultural, scientific, and sporting events between the years 1949, which is the year of Billy Joel's birth, and then um, all the way to 1989. And basically, it's uh, mostly in chronological order. So as you know, like the lyrics, there's a whole bunch of references. So there's like rock, uh, uh, what is it called? JFK, Blown Away, What Else Do I Have to Say? There's I need to go um, look at Peyton's the Place, there's Chubby Checker, Psycho, Belgians in the Congo. Like it's like a, so like I said, there's a whole bunch of quick fire lyrics. I have the whole song memorized. It's my uh, party trick talent um, but I only know them memorized in order, so That's don't ask party me trick. out of out of order. Yeah, so it's my go-to karaoke song. Um, the only thing that sucks about having that as a karaoke song is when the high pitch, we didn't start the fire. Uh, and so when uh, I can't sing, uh, uh, it doesn't sound very good. I just like shouting all the quick fire lyrics. But anyway, so why I bring up that song is because... That's so cool of a reference in the song that always kind of stuck out to me. And that lyric specifically is children of thalidomide. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, mm, okay. Yeah. So, so it's sandwiched in between Lebanon, Charles de Gaulle, California baseball, Starkweather, homicide, children of thalidomide, Buddy Holly, Ben Hurst, Space Monkey, Mafia, Hula Hoops, Castro, Enzo is a no-go. So it all it's sandwiched in between there. Yeah, exactly. So I always wondered what exactly children of thalidomide meant because I had no idea. So I knew after a brief search like a long time ago that it was a really sad story. So I was like, okay, let me bring this back up because I actually stumbled upon a documentary and I was like, okay, here's an opportunity for me to learn more. And with that being said, I want to list my sources. Uh, I got a lot of information from obviously Wikipedia. Shout out. Thalidomide, right? Thalidomide.ca. Shout out. Um, the documentary is called No Limits. And then the other source I have is thalidomidetrust.org. Shout out. So, thalidomide. What is thalidomide? Do you have any guesses of what thalidomide is? No, I've been trying to spell it. Okay, so thalidomide is spelled T-H-A-L-I-D-O-M-I-D-E. Oh my goodness. Thalidomide. Mm. Okay, so thalidomide is actually a, a medication. Oh, so thalidomide is an orally administered medication, and it is actually currently used today. Um, it's used to treat a number of cancers, skin conditions, such as complications of leprosy, and has been used to aid in a number of HIV-associated conditions. Um, the current side effects include sleepiness, rash, dizziness, and even more severe cases. Side effects include <laughs> tumorless syndrome, blood clots, and peripheral neuropathy. I'm trying to be like one of those like... You, no, you were doing it. I'm like, like, oh, read the you're side nailing effects. It. Like, really <laughs> you're quickly. nailing it. Yeah, for yeah, you were drawing me in. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so peripheral neuropathy is otherwise just known as neuropathy, which in the general term um, is used to describe a disease that affects the nerves in the brain that can impair movement and even organ function. Oh, so those are the current side effects. Because this medication does serve a purpose in today's society. Of course, are the side effects. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Of course. Any yeah. medication has side effects. Yeah. They're just long and dangerous and 
You'll mm-hmm. die. Yeah. Possibly death. Yeah, possibly death. <laughs> when this medication was first marketed, it began in West Germany in 1957. It was available over the counter and was initially promoted for help with anxiety, trouble sleeping, and even morning sickness. So let's think about that. What population deals with morning sickness? Pregnant ladies. Yes. Boom. Wonderful. Mm. Gold mm. star. Oh. We'll put a pin in that. So remember, morning sickness equals pregnant woman, right? Mm-hmm. Mostly. Thalidomide mm-hmm. was developed in 1954 and was aggressively marketed by the German pharmaceutical company called Kimi Gruenthal. I don't speak German, so I apologize. And this name comes up a lot. I'm pretty sure it's Gruenthal. But again, I apologize. Thalidomide is the name of the drug, but as we know, like different medications kind of go under different names. And so the trade name for this particular medication went under the trade name of Contragan. Oh, oh, that's why they, those are trade names. They're basically like trade names. Yeah. Interesting. I think also, I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but maybe it's kind of like uh, the off brand version of it. Possibly. I'm not a thousand percent sure on that one, Hmm. though. But the company had been established by Herman Wirtz Sr. And let's think about the time period. So we're in Germany. It's 1954. 1954. Oh, uh, uh. This This man was a Nazi party member after World War II. And during this time, there was a huge market need for antibiotics and the Maurer and Wirtz company appointed a Nazi war chemical chemist Heinrich Muchter to head the department due to his experience in producing an anti-typhus vaccine for the Nazi controlled Germany. He is best known for testing out vaccinations on those in prison and concentration camps where most had died. What the heck? And I heard this phrase multiple times they called this wartime <laughs> experimentation. Uh. Yes. So this pharmaceutical company basically hired a war criminal. Like the worst Nazi, of the worst. A known, a known criminal. Everybody knows. To come up with a medication. All right. Why? What was the reasoning? You know, stuff. But due to his success, so... During the late 1950s and the early 1960s, thalidomide was distributed in 46 countries with the emphasis on women who were pregnant due to a success on aiding in morning sickness as it was an effective anti-emetic. It was proclaimed as a wonder drug for not only morning sickness, but also insomnia, coughs, colds, and headaches. It was seen at first as an anti-flu medication than even seen as a hypnotic drug in 1957. And as this is hellbound history, it should come as no surprise that thalidomide ended up becoming the, and I quote, biggest man-made medical disaster ever. You see, thalidomide was tested and experimented in several animals and was introduced in 1956 as a sedative. However... It was never tested on pregnant women, despite being basically specifically marketed towards them as it was seen as a solution to the dreaded and unfortunately common symptom of morning sickness. Thalidomide was more promising than barbiturates that were used as sedatives and were more commonly used and prescribed as it seemingly didn't have any side effects, nor was it believed to be toxic. Oh, what the heck? Okay, so this medication... Is basically, oh my gosh, this is a warning. More, uh, this is a wonder drug, right? I don't have any side effects. Um, I, it's fine. There's no, there's no problems, but, right? It's not toxic. No side effects. I'm cool. My morning sickness is okay. It's getting rid of flu symptoms. Like it's, it's this miracle drug. Like wow, how could a medication have absolutely no side effects? But here, here, but, but in, in rats. There's no side effects in rats. Therefore, there must be no side effects in humans, right? Right? Yeah, no. Okay. So here we are. April of 1958. So this is when um, thalidomide is becoming to be popular now, right? So Mm -hmm. 
The pill was marketed in the United Kingdom by Distillers Company. After that, many other countries followed suit, and lo and behold, thalidomide branched out to over 46 countries and made it as far as Japan under many different brand names. So, like I said before, I'm assuming it's kind of like a a brand versus store brand kind of type deal. Mm -hmm. However, before the pill was launched into the market, the pharmaceutical company Grunenthal was giving out samples of the new pill to their workers. So it was kind of like a um, you work for the company. Oh, here, just te- like here's these samples of this new wonder drug pill, right? So the first victim was officially born on Christmas Day of 1956 and was the first documented victim of the wonder drug in the town of Aachen, Germany. Again, I apologize for the pronunciation. The father of this baby was a Kimmy Grunenthal employee and brought home a sample of thalidomide and gave it to his wife to help with her pregnancy symptoms. Multiple workers of Grunenthal had been given samples, and as many as six babies had been born with birth defects within a short time frame. Mm. When this was brought up to the company, the company just totally dismissed the cases and ignored the early warning signals. They didn't talk to experts. They didn't talk to doctors. They didn't do research. They did absolutely nothing. They basically dismissed the concerns and they continued to move forward with the beginning stages of distributing the drug. Uh, okay. So they were handing out free samples of this. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I know that the Nazi party, like those Hitler kids, I do know that like that was common back then. Like in the 1940s, like they would go have like little festivals. And when things got crazy and dicey, they handed cyanide pills out. And like before there was regulations, like was this like the. Yes. So this was basically, I mean, nothing related to that. So this was Uh, after World War Two. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like after Mm -hmm. World War Two. Like I know there's been changes in like the pharmaceutical thing. It's just kind of crazy to think about people well these were samples so hold on so these were samples given out to just strictly grunenthal employees oh oh, yeah so it wasn't yeah so at this time at this time these samples were just strictly grunenthal uh grunenthal employees and they could bring it home and do whatever they wanted with it and Mm, so like i said this guy right here he gave it to his wife who was experiencing morning sickness right because obviously he didn't have any he didn't have any morning sickness but his pregnant wife does yeah, here you go. Just here you, here you go. go. Just, just try one. it out. Hey, it's fine. you got a pregnant wife? Here you go, bud. Like, just flick Give it. her one of these. Oh, God, that's... Ugh. Mm-hmm. Okay. But despite all the babies being born with all of these birth deformities, Contragan was officially launched into the German market on October 1st, 1957. But what is even more eerie about all of this is that their sales motto was succeed at any cost. And the cost being thousands of babies being born with birth defects and multiple babies not living past three days. Oh. So, yeah, succeed at any cost. Who (laughs) cares about ruining lives and families and everything else? But just succeed at any cost. That's such an eerie motto. Like, I do not like that motto. I don't like it either. It's like, no, no. No, let's succeed at an ethical cost, right? Yeah, that's, no, push it to... You make it. Uh, if someone says, like, I don't think this is a good idea. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in my research, because I spent quite a bit of time researching this, um, I got really interested in, mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. in this topic because it was really interesting. Mm-hmm. But in my research, this is like nothing. It, they're not related. So I don't want to freak anybody out. But apparently the pharmaceutical company Grunenthal had a collaboration with Pfizer. <gasps> Back in 2005. Whoa. Okay. So Pfizer. All right. So I don't know what link it has to the current Pfizer gossip. we now know and love as one of the COVID vaccines. But I did find this a little eerie. So I think that, fi- I mean, I'm, I'm, I think Pfizer is the pharmaceutical company of the COVID vaccine. Right. Like how Moderna is a the pharmaceutical company. Johnson and Johnson yeah, is the yeah, pharmaceutical yeah. company. Pfizer is the pharmaceutical company. That's I believe I so. guess that created the um, I'm checking that created 
the vaccine. So, but it's the company Pfizer. Isn't that crazy how it just kind of comes yes. a little bit of a full circle to where we are yeah. now? It is a pharmaceutical, uh, multinational pharmaceutical biotechnology corporation. Isn't that weird? That is weird. When Ooh. I saw the words Pfizer upon my computer screen, I I was like, oh my God. <gasps> Chills. But yeah, but that was in 2005. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, nothing, yeah. Nothing's wrong. Yeah, there's nothing. I don't want to create yeah, there's nothing, anti-vax outrage. Yeah, that's not, there's nothing like that. Nothing like that. That's just like a, oh, interesting. I just like. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. yeah. so that's why I found it a little interesting. Yeah. I just wanted to yeah. add that bit it's of like, information. Oh, okay. It continued to be marketed as a miracle drug and thousands of samples were distributed to doctors and were encouraged to push it on pregnant women. And they did, being reassured that the pill represented absolutely no risk to the expecting mother nor her unborn child. Over 20,000 babies were badly deformed worldwide. However, the number of affected babies is generally estimated to be over 100,000 as many babies were not even carried to full term. So I can't. That's gross. It's so gross because these doctors. Succeed at any cost, baby. Succeed at any cost. Toxic Mm -hmm. mentality. Yep. Mm -hmm. I hear you. But meanwhile, millions were being made. So there was absolutely no rush to pull the plug on the medication. Because, you know, money talks. Yeah, money Money talks. Money makes it right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So as concerns continue to rise from medical professionals, uh, Grunenthal sent out 66,000 letters to German doctors reassuring them that the pill was not the cause for the deformities. So all the doctors are like, "Hmm, I don't know about this. And they're like, no, no, no. I'm reassuring you that the pill is okay and not the cause for the deformities. Okay. And press got a hold of the situation and they finally backed off as they didn't want the story to get out and to have negative publicity. Right. Because as soon as the press hears about it, it's over. So they're like, "Okay, we're going to back off because we don't we don't want to cause any more trouble. But we're still going to distribute the pills. Right. Gross. They do they. Okay, so I'm curious about this. Um, Do they have any contact like in news press? Like apparently, obviously, there are these events happening and they're like denying and denying did they ever just you know like news stories to just kind of shoo it away um so we'll get into that <sighs> go on but first so this is all happening in europe mm-hmm. so it started in germany right and then it was being distributed in yeah. the uk and then all those other countries so back in the united states now okay so It was trying to come to the United States. They were trying to get FDA approval. And in September of 1960, a pharmaceutical company, Richardson Merrill, best known for Vicks cough drops. Oh, hey. Yeah. Yeah. So pharmaceutical. uh Mm -hmm, Right. (laughs) So best known for Vicks cough drops, which is another crazy thing. I didn't realize they were around that long, but it makes total sense. So. So in in Cincinnati, so the company applied for approval to bring thalidomide, which is now called Kevadon at this point. So they just keep changing the names. You know what I mean? It's like a roller coaster tycoon. You create a really bad roller coaster uh, that kills a lot of people. And then you rename it from roller coaster one to roller coaster two. Uh, and they're like, oh, my God, brand new roller coaster. I totally forgot that 18 what? million people died on this coaster. It's like, what? No. So they were looking for approval to bring thalidomide. To the United States market and was allowed to conduct clinical trials on patients across the country. Some people saw right through the quote unquote clinical trial facade and knew it was just a giant marketing campaign for the drug. It was all a ruse to get uh, doctors familiar with the new drug. So once it was approved, the doctors would be just ready to prescribe it right off the bat. During this clinical trial phase, Richardson Merrill gave out over two. 0.5 million pills for free to doctors throughout the United States and Canada. Guys, this is a lot of pills. They handed out a, a lot of pills. This is so many pills. Like, mm-hmm. man, like, at what point do you go, bruh? We need more. <laughs> like, no. But meanwhile, in Australia, so there was an Australian doctor who was kind of on the scent of thalidomide. Oh, you. He delivered three babies with these deformities and he alerted the distillers however 
The company claimed they never received these alerts and more babies were continuing to be born with the repercussions. The first time the link between thalidomide and birth defects was made public in a letter published in The Lancet from an Australian doctor, William McBride. But again, millions were being made, right? Mm -hmm. Who cares about this William McBride? Who cares if only three babies have um, birth deformities? How? Who's to say that it's it is so thalidomide? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's the Mary Kay mascara that's seeping through your skin that's causing the birth defects. I don't know. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. So, again, there's absolutely no rush to pl- pull the plug on the medication. There's so much evidence that is there in the correlation and the links. Yeah. And no one is doing anything about it. It is so frustrating. Yeah. But we talk about the birth defects, right? But I haven't really told you what those birth defects are. I was just thinking that. I'm like, okay, what? but like what? Like, is, is it? Yeah. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Oh, is it bad? So, uh, okay. It's it's, so it's sad. I think I think it's more sad. I mean, it's bad, but it's very sad. Yeah. You know, these are these are victims. But thalidomide. It created a range of disabilities, mm-hmm. including shortening and the absence of limbs, malformation of hands and digits, damage to ears and eyes, sensory impairments, uh, facial disfigurement, palsy, damage to the brain, inter- internal organs, and skeletal structure were all messed up. So um, there's pictures of babies that are basically just like a torso and pelvic area with like no arms and no legs. Some of them had like, like I said, shortened arms or some of them just have like hands that are out. Um, there's different... it. Like it comes in so many different forms and shapes and sizes. There's some of them that have their legs and only one arm is like just deformed, right? We have um, those who have both their legs but no arms. Those that have arms but no legs. Like it just it just ranges. It just completely ranges. I like I said, watch the documentary No Limits, which is an excellent documentary, and they show videos and pictures of of the babies and um, so even babies. some of them like grown up. That's but research ha- sorry. Continue. I'm so, uh, no, say? I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, oh, you're fine. No, it's just so sad. Like these, and they know it. They they know it. They know what they're doing. Oh, it's but so it's not sad. happening. It's not happening to them, right? <sighs> they're not giving their wives thalidomide. Shut the you see what door. I'm saying? So it's out of sight, out of mind. I mean, there's many people that are pregnant and that have babies, and nothing happens to them. So. Why bother? You know, it. it's just, it's, it's one a of those things where it's like gross. out of sight, out of mind. It, it's disgusting. It is it's disgusting. honestly repulsive. But research has shown that thalidomide affected people experience um, significantly poor health in comparison to people of similar ages in the general population. Two thirds reported their health was the same or worse than the lowest 2% of the population. Other health problems include, because again, it's not just the missing limbs, right? So pain, often severe and or continuous, which is experienced by more than 90% of the little mind trust beneficiaries. Reduced flexibility and mobility. There's many people who have to wear prosthetics to get around or they're in wheelchairs. There's even um, a video of one lady who's literally, like I said, just a torso and um, and like a pelvis. And so she is in a like wheelchair, basically like breath moving. I don't mm. I don't really know the, mm-hmm. the term for that. But yeah, so reduced flexibility and mobility, in particular, a reduced ability to reach, stretch, and bend, which makes it difficult to undertake everyday tasks. They experience tingling and numbness, which for many people results in loss in strength and grip. And of course, poor mental and emotional health, including depression and anxiety, obviously. Not only are there health issues just from the defects, but there are other quality of life impairments thalidomide victims deal with on a day-to-day basis. They have to rely on adapted vehicles, electric wheelchairs, prosthetic limbs, hearing aids, all of which can be extremely expensive, too. It also makes having a job extremely hard as they may use their teeth for day-to-day activities as their hands are deformed. Their homes also must be adapted and even dental implants are needed since their teeth may be damaged due to the wear and tear of additional usage. 
40% are unable to work because of their disability. And the only positive thing about this, and it's not even a positive thing, it's just like a, well, that's the least it can do, right? Is that thalidomide survivors do not have a genetic case. Therefore, if they do have children, they run no risk of deformities being passed on to their children or future generations. How could how could they do that? How like those people go, you guys like one go. Awesome job moving forward. I like I'm speechless. I'm I'm speechless right now. It's just. It's a diff- I mean, you think you think that like, OK, well, I mean, just on the surface level, like, OK, um, the deformities. Right. But no one thinks past the surface level of everything else that happens. It affects Mental their- health. Like, yeah, you who's going to take care of you? you you're going to have to go into a home if you can't work, you can't put on clothes you can't bathe yourself right like that's all you have to for some of these people they have to be completely reliant on others it's just oh my god it affected so much more Mm -hmm. it affects but yeah but the documentary the no limits which is on youtube um so it starts off talking about in um and this kind (laughs) of This this next kind of part that I'm going to get into is honestly really frustrating because these are babies, you know, and this is a human, you know, like. And the way they were treated and just dismissed and basically literally tossed away, (sighs) it's just so icky. But in Hamburg, Germany, a birth in 1961 basically changed the course of history. A 23-year-old woman named uh, Linda Schulte-Helen gave birth to her first child. When the child was born, the room went quiet. And as terrifying that may be, Linda asked the doctor what's wrong as she could tell the energy in the room had shifted. Mm -hmm. A whisper entered Linda's ear as she was asked if her husband is all right as he wasn't with her at the hospital. The doctor proceeded to tell Linda her baby had been born with short arms. Confused, as don't all babies have short arms, Yeah. she asked if those arms would grow. But the doctor said the arms will forever be like how they are now, and all said without any emotion. The doctor gave Linda the advice of having another child and was basically told to toss the baby away. What the heck? And unfortunately, this was very common as the doctors frequently told parents to put their babies in a home as they didn't believe that they would even live past six months anyway. What is their problem? No, no. What it's is just, wrong it's just with the, you? It's just the thought of you're not seeing that as a human yeah, being. You're not seeing that as a child. You're seeing that as like a... It can't do anything to you. What? What? A nuisance. Like that's an inconvenience. So just toss it away. It's just sitting there. Whatever. Whatever. You scared of a baby? You scared of the little baby? Like, it, it doesn't look, quote unquote, normal. So, so what? just toss it away. No. Like, no. When you become a parent or you're expecting a kid and you give birth to a kid, like, your role is to love that child no matter what. Yeah. No matter what it looks like. Yeah. No matter no matter what. You know? Like, that's what you signed up to be a parent. Like, you run the risks of that. So love your baby. Like, that's just disgusting. If you can't love your kid at its worst, then you don't deserve it at its best. Uh, the doctor saying that to you in the... It's disgusting. Yeah. Don't become a medical professional uh, if that's your your viewpoint. Like I can't even no. imagine. Please Ugh. kindly F off. Yeah. But this was extremely uh, common, unfortunately, as the doctors would basically just advise the parents of thalidomide babies to put them away and to focus on just having another baby. What? And many doctors, yeah, and many doctors would even kill the babies that were born with the defects on a large scale in Britain and in Germany, especially. So these victims were seen as, quote unquote, devil babies, and not many were able to look past their deformities and were thought to even be cursed. Many completely depersonalized these children and did not see them as human. And in Belgium, there was a mother who thought their daughter's life was completely hopeless and decided for herself to end the life of her child. And then they went to court because the mother killed her baby. But the baby's mother and her four accomplices were found not guilty. Why? 
because they did they did not uh, see these babies as human. Whatever. What get out it's of It's so no. disgusting. Yes. It's very it's it's disgusting. One. Um I I just I this mentality and this is the 19 I, a lot of this I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around just because of how sick it is and it's a sick that's not what you normally think of and it's just like ethically sick yeah it's ethically sick like a, you go to your doctor's appointment you are told your child has defects your doctor so happily suggests that you just get rid of that child just toss it away just toss like, it just, away just throw it away Focus who cares on having another child another baby because listen you do yeah and it's and, disgusting. And then they 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 look at these kids. They round them up, and they're just like, "These are devil children, not mm-hmm. having to do anything with life whatsoever." These, uh, and then they, I, you you think you've seen it all, and people can be like horrible, but man, some people yeah. just get like a new award for that. <laughs> The biggest douche award. Yeah, you get the biggest. You suck. Yeah. But so Linda's husband, so the lady from the beginning of the story, mm-hmm. um, her husband returned home. And once he saw the baby, he sat Linda down and told her a secret that he had been keeping from her. Six weeks earlier, his sister had given birth and the baby also had similar defects and deformities. And from then on, Linda and her husband vowed to find the cause of the birth defect and to not stop until they found the root cause. But meanwhile, kind of all at the same time, um, the United States could have ended up like any other country with thousands of thalidomide babies. However, due to the actions of one woman, they were spared. So again, the medication was distributed, like so, two point five million pills were distributed in the United States, right? So many pills, but so many more, so many more oh. could have been distributed if it wasn't for this one woman, and her name is Frances Oldham Kelsey. But I want to give it into a just kind of like an overview of who she is because she's very important in all of this, and she is literally a hero. She was born in British Columbia, a.k.a. Canada, and she attended St. Margaret's School from 1928 to 1931 and graduated at the age of 15. Nice. She went to Victoria College and then enrolled in McGill University, where she received two degrees in pharmacology. She applied to work for a researcher for the University of Chicago in 1936 and was given the position due to the spelling of her name leading EMK Geeling to believe she was a man instead. Heck Yeah. <laughs> Because her, so Frances back then was a very popular yeah. uh, unisex name. And the way she spells her name is the male version Heck of, yeah. of Frances. So she spells it F-R-A-N-C-E-S versus the one with the I in it. Let's go, Frances. But I guess he was okay with it because he just like, they, they continue. So he's like, all right, cool. Yeah. But during this time, she assisted on research projects um, with Geeling, 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 uh, again, pronunciation. And worked together with the FDA to research unusual deaths, which led her to go on to get her PhD in pharmacology and developed interest in teratogens, which are drugs that cause birth defects. Cough, 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 cough. Talking to a certain Uh, pharmaceutical company. uh After receiving her PhD, she became a faculty member at the University of Chicago. And in 1942, she began researching a cure for malaria. While conducting this research, she discovered that drugs are able to pass through the placental barrier. So she's realizing, oh, medication can mm. can pass no good. the placenta. It can get to the baby. Not good. So in 1960, Kelsey was hired by the FDA in Washington, D.C., and it is known that she was one of only seven full-time and four young part-time physicians reviewing drugs for the FDA. Her very first assignment was to review an application by Richardson Merrill for the drug thalidomide, which was under the trade name Kevadon. Mm. 
Even though the drug was approved for in Canada and many other countries, she withheld the FDA approval and requested further studies as research was not conducted to its full extent and on pregnant women. She was like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Especially since she has all that experience in uh, birth defects and even like that placental barrel. She's like, they're not doing the, the enough research. So I'm going to I'm going to hold off. Uh, however, the drug company obviously was not happy because now they're she's costing them money, mm-hmm. right? Because this is precious time that this pill could have been on succeed. the market. Absolutely. They were not happy and they made over 50 complaints to the FDA about Kelsey. They went behind Ew. her back to complain about her to her superiors, threatened libel proceedings they continue to push and she just she was a strong woman and she did not back down she said i don't care you can't scare me i'm in charge here bro but a study was done yeah, you're fine but yeah a study was done and it was found that for those that took thalidomide there was a documentation stating a nervous system side effect was linked to the pill (sighs) And despite pressure from the manufacturer, again, she stood her ground that she would not approve the medication until she received data showing the drug was actually not harmful for the fetus. So she's like, please prove me wrong. But they couldn't. Kelsey's instance. um, Repeat. Kelsey's insistence that the drug should be fully tested prior to to approval, which I don't understand. Like any, 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 any person would do that. That's normal. You test it. You test, like, what are you talking about? Yeah, but she just insisted the drug should be fully tested mm-hmm. prior to approval. Um, was vindicated when the birth of deformed infants in Europe were linked to thalidomide ingestion by their mothers during pregnancy. And research discovered that the thalidomide crossed the placental barrier and caused serious birth defects. So this research was right. Mm. She was right. Yeah, she got so, you. Francis and her assistants, uh, Oyama... Jairo and Lee Geismer, again, pronunciation, I apologize, changed the course of history and saved possibly thousands of lives. And she was displayed on the Washington Post as a heroine for adverting the tragedy to come to the United States. And from then, her persistence was used to help pass rigorous drug approval regulation in 1962. For all of this, she received multiple awards, nice. as she should. Yep. You yeah, for all her of persistence. Them. Yeah, she, like I said, she persisted. I don't know. She, my hero. Mm-hmm. She's the hero of the story. Um, But like I said, she won multiple awards for her, just like just persistence and discovery, ranging from an, an induction to the National Women's Hall of Fame. Uh, she received the first Drug Safety Excellent Awards, which was named after her. So she was the first recipient, and it was her her award which i think is amazing that is amazing that's so sweet Heck yeah. she received the order of canada what's that not to be confused with the order of phoenix Ooh. um it's basically just like a prestigious award that canada gives out i'm not too sure it sounds prestigious I'm not canadian okay. but yeah she got it it's a it's, it's a big deal it sounds cool but she was even presented the President's Award for Distinguished Federal Civilian Service from John F. Kennedy in 1962. And we should be pleased to know she lived a long, happy life and passed away at the age of 101 on August 7th, 2015. Oh, hell, that's so cool. So even though 2.5 million pills were being um were distributed already in the United States. It could have been so much more if it wasn't for her. It could have anybody could have gotten that FDA like just approval and just been like whatever, you know, and oh, it's already successful in all those countries. Sure, fine. Yeah, you know, like just approve it. it. But not her. Not her. She did her due diligence. She did. And I stand a queen. It's so petty. They did 50 complaints. I just imagine them like, so petty. we have Phone to come calls, up. calls, complaints, letters. Yeah. Let me talk to your supervisor. They're all Karens. They all had to come up with 50 ideas. So it's, <laughs> they had to sit there. They probably right. had to sleep over. Whatever. Right. Oh. Uh, so concerns regarding the birth effects continue to rise in the other countries. Um, but the medication was officially pulled from the market in Australia 
And a few days later, on November 26th, 1961, the UK followed suit and pulled the drug from the market. On November 28th, 1961, a day after the thalidomide scandal made headlines in West Germany, the company made a statement the medication would be pulled from the market. A sad fact is that if they pulled a drug in the spring of the same year rather than the fall, half of the babies would have been spared from the malformations. Mm. In Canada, in Canada, which I'm really disappointed in Canada oh, right Canada. here. Oh, Canada. Oh, Lainey's coming for you. Mm-hmm. After the drug was pulled from the U.S. market, it took Canada another four months to take it off the market and issued no warnings. Mm. Today, fewer than 3,000 victims of thalidomide survive, and many have become advocates. So what was the outcome of all of this, right? So you think that all of these people just got off? Yeah. Do they? Do they? Uh, Scott free? No, no. Nope. I hope they got arrested. Yeah. Okay. So this is what happened. In March of 1967, the owner and eight executives of Grunenthal were charged with criminal negligence, mm-hmm. premeditated bodily harm, and even manslaughter. And so remember the POS, the Nazi doctor? Yes. Yeah. He was a defendant as well as he made a fortune for inventing thalidomide. Like he's the big ticket. Like you invented it, dude. Oh, gosh. That's right. Oh, ugh. Yeah. And so unfortunately, like I said, this company had such a concentrated population working for them that were convicted war criminals. And there was a guy on the staff and his nickname was the Devil's Chemist. It's not going to end well if you work with this guy, obviously. Your nickname is the Devil's Chemist. Why? Stop it. Yeah, you get out of here. No, the devil don't need no chemist. Yeah. Mm-mm. Bye. He ended up serving four years in prison for being what a, a Nazi war criminal. Oh, sorry, no, Jerry. He, that he served war. No, he served time in prison for being the Nazi war criminal, and then when he got out, he that's when he became um, that's when he became uh, a part of the Grunenthal company. So. What's really, really sad is that when he got out of jail, right? So he was in jail for four years because he was, again, mm-hmm. a Nazi war criminal. Mm-hmm. You would think that everyone would uh, stay away from this man, right? Mm. But no, but no. Many companies rushed to hire him after he got out of prison. Ew. And there was even interest from the United States and their chemical corpse department. And he was a mass murderer, okay? This man was a mass murderer, and he became chairman of the Grunenthal's board in 1971. Bro. Mm-mm. Bro. Well, the owner, Herman Wurtz, who was a local Nazi party member and was rewarded by Hitler himself. I... I don't know what to say to that. Yeah. Mm. So can't say that. No, I don't know. Like Hitler rewarded you like personally. Yeah. He the, personally rewarded you the for your guy. That's like synonymous. The worst man ever. Yeah. Like, like synonymous. You say with you that. call people Hitler because they're so evil. He, like, he said literally you, you are the, the best. He said, hey, I'm horrible and I think you're the best. Like what's the, you and you went. Oh. That's, a, that's okay. That must mean I'm really good. Mm. No, I don't mm. know. Yeah. Um. So again, they were on trial for what they did. Initially, no compensation was paid. However, in February of 1968, following a legal battle led by their families, compensation at 40% of the level assessed damages was paid to 62 thalidomide affected children born in the UK by distillers as a result of an initial um, infant settlement. Okay. However, this compensation was widely recognized as being completely inadequate and a high profile campaign was launched in 1972 led by the Sunday times. And so as a result of this campaign, um, in 1973, a final statement was agreed on by the distillers. So they reached a settlement. 
And this included a lump sum payment for a further 367 children affected by thalidomide in the UK on the same basis as the initial 62, together with the establishment of Thalidomide's Trust to provide support and assistance, including annual grants to all thalidomide survivors. So uh, I talked about the Thalidomide Trust a little bit uh, just in the in the very, very beginning. It's just a trust for the thalidomide survivors. So since 2010, all beneficiaries of the Thalidomide Trust have also received a health grant from the health departments and all four nations of the UK to help meet the increased health needs caused by their thalidomide damage. Good, good. I'm glad I'm glad they're at least trying to help and like give what is needed for these people. Good. Mm hmm. So the settlement and everything is, is just nothing for the pain and distress it had put on families and those who suffer from the repercussions from thalidomide, right? Just because of some Nazi jerk's greed. Children were abandoned, left to feel unwanted. They were led to feel like monsters. Um, parents committed suicide, became alcoholics, all because of this. And there are even stories of families fearing for their children in Europe, mm. not just because of their disability and not because of how people are going to treat them, but what that disability actually meant. Remember, this is World War II and the first demographic of people who were taken away by the Nazis and exterminated were the disabled children. So even though there was no World War II currently going on, it is still Europe. It is still Germany. Not too far long ago, children were being freaking exterminated because of their disabilities. And you cannot hide some of these disabilities. So parents went into extremes to hide the disabilities, even, even if, if they could. Like there was a story where one where one uh, girl, her mom would like knit like a, a a sweater for her to make it look like she had another arm. Luckily for her, the only deformity she had was missing missing um, part of one of her arms. Other kids weren't that lucky, you know, not to talk about all the backlash of schools. Some schools refuse to take the kids, what? even though the only thing wrong with them was just uh. their deformities and how they look like had nothing to do with their mental capacity, nothing to do with their intelligence level, nothing to do like they were still fully capable human beings. It was just physical deformities. And there's so many instances and I'll end on this note because Many survivors of thalidomide did not let their disabilities get them down. Um, in the documentary, there's this guy and he learned how to play the drums and the piano with his feet. He has no arms, but he's literally like playing with his feet. That's it's so awesome. cool. Yeah. And so he's fully capable of mm -hmm. he dresses himself. He uses his feet as as his hands. Um, he said that he was trying to get prosthetics and this prosthetics just didn't work out for him. He's like, I, I don't I'm fine with my feet. Mm -hmm. And he just is totally fine with that. Um, there's another guy who just lives life to the fullest and scuba dives and go rides motorcycles. Oh, my and gosh. That's so much more than me. Woo. Yeah, and just I right, and so some of them just really have persevered, and unfortunately, not all of them were as lucky to be born with at least some functioning body parts, mm -hmm. right? Um, but yeah, so that's that's the story of children of thalidomide. That was a roller coaster. That was so good. Good job. Fantastic. Thank you. It's it's really sad, but I think it's important to realize that we cannot dehumanize mm -mm. people just because of how they look like on the outside. That has nothing to do with who they are. And even if they are deformed on the outside, who cares? Yeah, so Literally. what? Who cares? So what? So they look different from you and I? All right. All right. And like what? Are you insecure about that? Does that hurt your feelings? Okay. And you're going to if you're going to make fun of someone for that, then it's like you're the scum of the earth. Yeah. Right. That's something they have absolutely no control over. And there they have shown so much resilience and overcome adversity, you know, mm -hmm. and like I said, not everyone um, who was 
born with birth defects from thalidomide was lucky enough to have working digits, you know, mm-hmm. but so it's just important to remember these victims of freaking pharmaceutical companies. I, I feel like anybody, I don't know. I just, it's disgusting. Like you knew all the evidence was right in front of your faces. It was all there. It was all there and you chose to ignore it because you wanted money. I uh, I kind of want to, we can end with this. Um, have you ever noticed those like schemes that like go around on the internet or they sell? Oh, the Ponzi schemes? Like, the, like some kind of schemes where they're saying a product and they're saying like, it's it looks really nice and they play on the fact that you're just going to assume it's okay. Like- Oh, You're talking about like MLMs? Kind of, yeah. Like like it works or Yeah, like that know. mindset, maybe, you know? Maybe don't mention brand names by You mean Did I shit blurks? Oh yeah. <laughs> we'll just take that last part out. You can cut that out, Jared. It's okay. Um if- so, are you, so are you talking about like those um like MLMs, like multi-level marketing schemes where they show like, look at this, uh, this wrap. It made me uh-huh. lose all this uh-huh. weight or this protein shake. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I love this protein shake. Yes. It is so awesome. Yes. That. So <laughs> I'm very much, I, I'm, <laughs> I don't know what it is about MLMs, but I'm obsessed with them <laughs> because I think they're crazy yeah. and I think they're cults. Yeah. And, and you know me, I love a good cult, uh, yeah. but there's... <laughs> There's a documentary about Lula Rowe called Lula Rich. Oh, is this about the Lulu Lemons thing? Uh, no, no, not Lulu Lemon. Oh, okay. Rowe. Lulu Rowe. Okay. Yeah. So, which is like those like leggings. Those like oh. no offense if you wear Lula Lula Rowe, but those leggings are ugly. Oh, uh, I know what this is. Okay. Yeah. And so there's a documentary on that, and then there was a documentary I watched about Herbalife. And I don't know, I love all of the MLM documentaries. Mm -hmm. And it's just sad because they really prey on, um, I don't want to say the weak because I don't like thinking people are weak, but they play on, they play, they, they really prey on people who really need Mm -hmm. this extra income, who are looking for any other way to supplement their income so they can spend time with more families Mm -hmm. or if they just are really struggling and they're given these false promises and, you can do this and you can be the business of your own country. It's like this American dream and they really, really target um, like immigrants and stuff. And it's really disgusting. It's an awful, awful mm-hmm. business model. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard to peop- to get people to realize what a scam it is mm-hmm. because they're so brainwashed. Well, if they're not buying from you or if they try to warn you, they're not supporting you. They're not um, understanding your hustle. They're not working hard enough. They don't understand. They just want to see you fail, right? They're feeding you all of these terminology and these key words just to just to get they're acting like the good guy. And to, and yeah. to alienate your I'm family and friends person. who actually care this about great you. Company, these things are great. Well, if, yeah, if, if they don't and like the great anything. thing, they're bad. Yeah, Ugh. yeah, and say anything bad about it. Then oh, you're just you're just against me. This company has done amazing things. I do for nothing me. It's but like good they're all things. trying to folk. There, there's no good things. <sighs> like literally, less than one percent of their um of their uh people in the company even make a freaking paycheck yeah the people who are buying the products are people who are working for oh, the yeah. company oh yeah absolutely it's awful mm. and it's like because mm. the reason why the business is running is because you are selling recruitments mm. you're not actually selling the product you're selling the recruitments which the recruitments need to for to to buy supplies because there's like quotas and and all this stupid stuff. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. We could go all. We can make our own episode about literally, that. literally. Um, I'm obsessed with yeah uh, MLM stuffs. And if you're in an MLM or whatever it is, and you're doing good and you're making money and you're not being bullied by your Great. upline and any of that stuff, Great. then absolutely fine. Get it, cool. but don't don't. Pry on the weed. Yeah. Create a, like, just don't, just don't have Look more into ethics stuff. than that. Kind of like, take care of yeah. your friends. Those are your friends. Mm-hmm. But if you're so, anyway, yeah. Anyway, if you're so listening, um, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, 
If you want to see any pictures from today's show, go check out our Instagram at Hellbound History. Uh, you can message us if you would like to have any stories told Hellbound History styles. Uh, and we hope you guys have a good time. So I don't know. <laughs> have the best time. Have the guys. best time. I don't know. You have the best time. I was going to say good night, go, but good night go was tell. weird. And then I was going to say good morning. I'm like, that's kind of weird. And so my brain went to good time. <laughs> good, good time. Good time. But go tell your friends and family yeah. about, about us. Um, even your, you know what? You have our permission to go tell your high school uh, history teacher. Oh, yeah. Us. Yeah. <laughs> tell them. Tell but them. Like I said. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're always open to suggestions at Hellbound History um, on Instagram. So send over some suggestions. Oh, we yes. loved all the messed up history, as you can tell. And until then, guys. See you next time. See you next time. Hi. Stay warm.